Hello, I'm Derek S. McGrath. My pronouns are he, him, his. I'm recording this on Wednesday, February 8, 2023. Welcome back to another audio commentary as I continue going through the newest season of Bungo Stray Dogs. Last time we looked at Season 4, Episode 5 of Bungo Stray Dogs, Episode 42 overall. Today we're doing audio commentary for Season 4, Episode 6, Episode 43 overall, titled Tragic Sunday. These audio commentaries are available after the newest Bungo Stray Dogs episode airs, that being on Wednesday for any patrons at the $5 tier at patreon.com slash McGrath. And then these commentaries are made public and free starting the Tuesday after to watch on YouTube or listen via the podcast RSS link in the description. There is also a spoiler warning for all of Bungo Stray Dogs, and I do mean all of it, up to chapter 105.5 of the Bungo Stray Dogs manga, which just came out last week. Since we're just getting started, you can go ahead and pull up episode 43 on Crunchyroll, pause it at the beginning, then when I get to the 31 minute and second marker in the audio commentary, you can unpause and watch along with my audio commentary. And there is a massive content warning today given just how violent this episode is going to get, If you are squeamish around descriptions of gruesome murder, I advise skipping this audio commentary and listening to something else. Before we start the audio commentary, let's cover just a bit about what awaits us in today's episode. The episode is titled Tragic Sunday. It is based on chapters 57 and 58 of the manga. I haven't watched the episode yet, I'm going into this episode with knowledge coming only from reading the manga and seeing the various trailers that Kodokawa has put out. There's the two trailers that came out to promote this season, which spoils a lot for today's episode, and there is the teaser trailer for today's episode, which Kodokawa posted on YouTube on Monday, February 6, 2023. So, what do we see in that trailer? It looks like we're going to be rushing through this season yet again. The trailer demonstrates the quick pace that has been part of this adaptation of Bungo Stray Dogs and even in parts of this season because there is a lot to cover. In just this episode alone, we're going to get Atushi training with Kunikida, Rompo refusing to take out the new case, Gogol holding government officials hostage, and Atushi fighting Gogol. And we're also going to see Gogol's monologue about his sanity and freedom. Oh, and Dazai getting arrested. But think also about what is not shown in that next episode trailer, but which we know we're going to get in this episode based on what happens in chapters 57 and 58 of the manga. Like I said, some of those details were already shown in the two trailers that came out for season 4 months ago. Those details include Fukuzawa accepting that award from the Japanese government and the agency launching a rescue of the government officials that will fail and get them framed for murder. 
And that's not even getting into other content from the manga to adapt into today's episode, such as Atushi getting approached by Ango and another certain government official. Like I said, this is a lot of content to fit into one episode. All that being said, it's not as if any of these moments in the manga took up much time on the page. What I keep noticing when I compare comics to their adaptations in animation or live action is that one page of a comic can feel like it should take up minutes of time in televised narrative or film narrative, but really, in adaptation, you're planning how long a moment takes not only to fit into a predetermined length of time, maybe 22 minutes for a televised episode, maybe 90 minutes or so for a film, you're also having to think, how long does this moment need to take in order to communicate some emotion of that story to the reader? For example, in the manga, Atushi's training with Kunikida is just a few short pages, and while the anime does have its action moments, it is overall a more measured story across the entire series that doesn't need a ton of fights, especially when Atushi versus Gogol will be more iconic visually, so it's not going to take long to show Kunikina training Atushi, whereas you want to spend more of that time showing how does Atushi measure up against Gogol. Likewise, Rompo refusing the mission shouldn't take long to present in animation. Fukuzawa accepting the award won't take long. Dazai getting arrested has to take as long as it needs to only to give a bit of comedy that comes in the form of Dazai's entire presence and the comedy that is this dude finally getting arrested for something. But the rest of this episode and the plot beats... How long do you really need to spend on Gogol holding the government members hostage, or the agency attempting a rescue? Well, quite a bit. That is far more where the emotions lie in this episode, so no wonder that you can rush so much additional content that we have seen in these trailers, while I hope it won't be so fast when we get to today's episode that I'm just spending the entire commentary saying... Ah, they're rushing it, this is going by too fast, you're not letting the audience process this. Studio Bones has made some changes before to the pacing that I didn't appreciate, so this is shaky territory for me. I'm going into this episode worried that it's going to be a bit too hectic to let any serious moments land with the audience. And speaking of Studio Bones making changes I'm not a big fan of, I'm not quite happy with Studio Bones making Gogol more, I guess the word would be toothless. I mean, literally toothless. They took away Gogol's toothy grin from the manga. When he does his finger gun at Atushi, he has this sharp tooth wide grin in the manga, but based on what I saw in the anime trailer, it's more just a wink and a friendly smile. It's not that either one doesn't suit him. He can be, like he is in the manga, a very vicious demon with a very snide, sarcastic smile, or he can put you off your guard. He can come across as super friendly and 
personable and that throws you off with how charming he's being. So I guess Studio Bones leaning more towards he's a silly boy rather than towards he's a demon like I think the manga was communicating. That being said, that is a deliberate choice and I think robbing Gogol of a bit of that viciousness is making him maybe a little too silly and not as grim as I hope he'll be. Now granted, he's going to stab Atushi in the leg, that's going to be pretty grim. So it's not that we're not going to see that viciousness, I just think it could have been communicated better to let him have that demonic grin. I wonder if Studio Bones thought Gogol looked enough like Mephisto from Blue Exorcist that giving him the same set of sharp chompers would have made him look like more of a ripoff. Heck, Mephisto even does the same pose and finger gun in the first Blue Exorcist opening title sequence that, yeah, I could imagine someone thinking, eh, this is looking a little too close to what another studio accomplished. Let's pull this back and try going in a different direction with Gogol. I also feel silly for not checking who was playing Gogol in the Japanese dub. It's Takehito Koyasho, the voice for Dio in JoJo, Excalibur in Soul Eater, and Takasugi in Gintama. But what makes it even sillier is that I literally saw a fan art of Gogol as Dio, and Gogol as Takasugi, and didn't think it through that, oh, this is all a casting gag. And now I sit here asking why, when Gogol and Excalibur already shared the same fashion taste, that there isn't fan art of those two together yet. Since I've been talking at length about Gogol, I should flex my higher education and make some use of my PhD to discuss the real-life author. But sadly, my familiarity with the real-life Gogol's literature is limited. Don't get me wrong, I loved reading The Overcoat when I was in college, so I was ecstatic to have this character and that ability appear in Bungo Stray Dogs. And I also appreciate the analysis I have read from people online where they point out how Gogol in Bungo alternates between high comedy and intense philosophical morose meditation, such as this character very well embodies the dark comedy that is inherent to so much of the real-life Gogol's literature. And speaking of other choices, Studio Bones will have to make an adaptation, I have zero clue how they are going to adapt the four murders that take place in today's episode. In the manga, Gogol sends a message from the Decay of the Angel, that being to represent the original novel by the real-life Yukio Mishima, in which there are five ways to die. Before the episode began, Gogol already killed four government officials, that's what we're going to see the agency debriefed on. Then, later in the episode, we see Gogol attempting the fifth set of murders. These are to show the five ways of dying, but all of these are pretty gruesome ways to die. In the manga, we get not the most detailed, but still detailed enough images showing how the four governmental officials are killed, and it's a lot to take in visually. 
But it is during a report that Kunikita is reading to the agency in their conference room. So maybe Studio Bones can get around having to show too much and let Kunikita's description be enough without having the same intensity of visual images getting in the way. But, given how violent the previous episodes were, even showing Ogre snapping Yokomizo's neck, I'm not doing very well convincing myself this isn't going to be a graphic episode, hence why I'm pulling that content warning at the beginning of today's audio commentary. And Studio Bones is in an awkward position to adapt this scene of the agency discussing those four murders, because they've already animated this scene before. We already had this kind of scene. It was in the movie Dead Apple when Kunikita is showing how the abilities killed their own users. I don't know how Bones is going to do what is practically the same scene all over again. I mean, it's the same beats. The government tells Kunikita something, Kunikita shares that report, Rompo checks out mentally, the end. The only obvious difference is that Dead Apple was cinematic and had the conference room dimmed during Kunikida's slideshow presentation, whereas it looks like today's episode will keep the lights on in the room, potentially robbing this scene of some much-needed atmosphere. But I want to turn back to discuss the anime's pacing again. Today's episode is supposed to be sometime after Ogre was attacked by Gogol. There is supposed to be a time skip here, the smallest of time skips, but still a time skip, so that three events can unfold. First, the manga says this episode should be one month after the agency and the mafia saved Fukuzawa and Mori from Pushkin's cannibalistic ability. Second, Kunikida is now out of prison, thanks to Rompo stopping Ogre, Ogre turning off his ability, which revealed the evidence that he had hidden in order to frame Kunikida, and by revealing that new evidence, exonerates Kunikida. But this leads to the third event, which, with Ogre releasing his ability, this exposes all the other evidence that Ogre's kidnappers had hidden. And as I spoiled in earlier commentaries, that criminal organization that kidnapped Ogre was actually a front for the government as run by Ongo. And it was Ongo and his boss Taneda, who we're going to see in today's episode, who had evidence of Dazai's crimes in the Port Mafia erased so that he could join the armed detective agency. But with Ogre presumed dead, or at least him releasing his ability, that evidence about Dazai's crimes has been made public, so it's not just that Ogre hid evidence in order to frame Kunikita as a killer, Ogre had hidden the evidence of Dazai's crimes, which is what is going to allow the hunting dogs to get a warrant to arrest Dazai in today's episode. I'm also ambivalent about the pacing due to the inclusion in this episode of a scene where Kunikita trains Atushi. I mean, I'll be curious as Studio Bones amps up the comedy when Kunikita flips Atushi over onto his back. They'll probably draw him in a more chibi style, or just make him look even more pathetic than he did in the manga. But this scene is also here to do a lot of work, 
and it is too short a scene to make me think it can support the three details it is trying to buttress for this narrative. First, while this isn't strictly a shonen series, Bungo Stray Dogs does have its shonen elements, so getting Atushi to work on his training makes sense, but it's too short a training sequence it could come across as kind of pointless. It's just here as training moment for the sake of training moment, as opposed to this is a shonen series, let's show off the animation, let's show off the paneling, let's get clever in what kind of training Atushi undergoes. But second, this scene is here also to be a bookend, or rather to be a setup for a payoff. Here, Kunikida is training Atushi, Kunikida, during the training, warns Atushi to not attack in a straight line and to get stronger. Those two pieces of advice we're going to see Atushi apply. We're going to see him figure out, don't go for a direct attack, go underground. We're going to see that when he fights Gogol in this episode, he doesn't limit himself. He goes all out. He is willing to catch Gogol's gun with his own jaws and bite through the gun to stop Gogol. Finally, up to now, yeah, Atushi has kind of just been winging it. That's kind of been the plot point that, for as strong as he is, he isn't a trained combatant. He's not a trained fighter. So it's about time that we show someone taking it seriously to train him. Kunikida already flipped Atushi over onto his back episodes ago to show him that Fukuzawa trained Kunikida, so Kunikida is able to stop even someone like Atushi, so of course Fukuzawa, despite not having a superpower that is primarily combat-based, is a trained assassin who can survive on his own. Kind of funny how all this ties back into the Rampo and Fukuzawa light novel adaptation that kicked off this season, isn't it? And this episode may expose a flaw to what has been the hunting dogs arc we're about to get into, that being a wild goose chase to identify who the five members of the Decay of the Angel are. I already spoiled who all the five members were back in the season four episode one audio commentary, but let's play ignorant for a moment and pretend I didn't spoil that. Let's say you're coming into this episode, you don't know who all the members are. This episode is really trying to get you to think it's Ongo, and we'll get to that in a moment. This episode risks spoiling more stuff than I think the anime's opening title sequence has. The manga is kind of clunky when you get to Ongo literally calling up Atushi just to say, hey, Atushi, it's Ongo. So I think the Decay of the Angel is already inside the government, maybe even a front for a group already in the government. Just wanted to let you know, bye. Like, Ongo barely knows Atushi. He knows Dazai. He says to Atushi, I've been trying to contact Dazai, and he's not answering. Wants to get this warning. Why does it go with Atushi except that he's our protagonist, so of course he would be the one to get the call? He might be one of the closest to Dazai, but if Dazai doesn't want to be found, Atushi's not going to do very well to locate him. Let's assume for a moment Ongo is not making this phone call 
because the story is trying to make you think he's the one who is actually part of the Decay of the Angel, and he's trying to get Atushi and others off of his scent. If you hear him say to Atushi he thinks that the Decay of the Angel is operating within the government, that's already hanging a sign pointing to Gogol, because we already saw him in disguise before as a member of the government. He already disguised himself as a police officer in the last episode, which coincidentally was the same approach June Mitamura took in the Rampo and Fukuzawa light novel adaptation this season, and we're going to see Gogol in disguise again as another member of the government, but we'll get to that. And Ongo's remarks just hang a sign on the hunting dogs to say, yeah, they're a front group for the Decay of the Angel. Like, it's not just Ongo saying, I think there's someone in the government who is part of the Decay of the Angel. He gets to a point of saying, I think the Decay of the Angel is a front for someone within the government. I think there's a governmental unit, and they're actually the Decay of the Angel. And once we learn more about the hunting dogs, yeah, that's accurate. It is the hunting dogs. The hunting dogs and the Decay of the Angel may as well be the same group. I wish I could say this with less vitriol, as I am being harsh on the narrative writing for this series, and maybe the anime will pull this off as well as the manga did, but once you know the twist, all of this exercise seems empty. What do I mean by that? What I mean is, is that the manga looked like it was saying up Ango calling up Atushi to put him onto the trail of a red herring, that maybe Ango was behind the Decay of the Angel and was trying to make Atushi suspicious of other groups, other people, that they could be the ones behind it. But when you look back on the manga, you realize there are at least two problems with that scenario in which you suspect Ango and you quickly realize it can't be Ango. First, We've literally done this plot already. We've already seen Ango be a traitor. He was already a triple mole. He was working for the government to infiltrate the mafia to infiltrate Mimic. Yeah, sure, you could do that again as a joke on the audience to say you have seen what Ango is capable of. He is capable of this and you should have realized he would do it again. But it would undermine what we have seen in this character up to now. It would reduce his character progression to a joke. Ongo is a committed bureaucrat for the government, right or wrong, good or bad. His regrets over Oda's death and Dazai's life lend weight to his treachery. You don't have to like him, but it makes him far more complicated than someone who is so beholden to whatever the government says is right that he just blindly follows orders. And as we'll see in this arc, despite being a governmental bureaucrat, he doesn't always follow orders. So to have him yet again be a treacherous little shit would be redundant, and it would rob any sympathy we should have for him if we found out he was part of the Decay of the Angel. And we already saw that he was committed to his work for the Japanese government in supplemental materials such as Dead Apple and the Ayatsuji light novel. Why would we want to believe that he would turn on his own government? It's one thing if you expand that story out to say, oh, okay, the government is about to do significant overreach and Ongo now has a choice whether to go along with it or oppose it. 
but that's not the Decay of the Angel. The Decay of the Angel is a terrorist group that uses governmental resources, but is not literally itself the government. The second problem, if you make Ongo the member of the Decay of the Angel, is that over the course of this manga arc, it is going to keep cutting back to Ongo and making us think he was the one that got close to Taneda to hurt him, and it's supposed to foreshadow what Ongo's ability is, which, spoiler, we're going to learn that, Ongo can use his ability to pick up memories. So that means all he had to do was touch Taneda and he would have gotten all the information he needed from him, except there are more problems with that. First of all, why would Ongo need to get that close to Taneda? He's been working with him for years. He's gotten close enough. He can get this information without having to literally touch Taneda to get it from his brain. And second, Ongo's ability doesn't work like that. I know I just said he can use his ability to pick up memories, but he can't pick them up from people. So, what does that mean? He picks up memories from inanimate objects. I'm not even going to explain how that ability works, because otherwise I'm going to be back doing grad school lectures about thing theory, so let's move on, we'll explain Ongo's ability another time. So, even though Ongo's ability is similar to that of the person who ends up stealing the information from Taneda, and even though Ongo had the best opportunity of any character to do it, he doesn't really have a motive to. We already saw Fukuchi is the most obvious villain, so it's hard to reread this manga and understand how any reader would come away with any certainty that Ongo is the villain who is working for the Decay of the Angel when Fukuchi is right there and you can say, oh, that's obviously the villain. That's the guy we should pay attention to. A lot of this manga arc seems, in retrospect, like a lot of red herrings that don't make sense. I mean, Ongo really should be the one behind the Decay of the Angel when he is already within the government and is close to Taneda, but he's not. Atushi's tiger smell should indeed show him that Tonin does not smell a coffee, so his lie must mean he too is with the Decay of the Angel, but he isn't. These all feel like cheap lures to distract the reader and lengthen the story rather than building up the mystery to a satisfying revelation. I think I'm missing something that is supposed to be clever to all of this, so I'll ask you, what do you think? Do you think the Tragic Sunday arc was just a bunch of poorly written red herrings, or do you think this is some meta-commentary on the problem of detective stories in general? I mean, we did have Yoko Mizo dissect the genre earlier in the manga, Although, sadly, the anime didn't really adapt Yoko Mizo's remarks when he was in his debate with Oguri, but we're going to get more of Yoko Mizo and Oguri's debate later, assuming that chapter gets adapted, which I hope it does. But what do I know? Maybe we'll get a chapter later in the manga that shows Ango was indeed up to no good and was indeed the villain we should have paid attention to. I don't think that's going to be the case, but let's see. Let's wrap up with some quick trivia about today's episode. First, I'll be curious to see how the anime translates the award Fukuzawa accepts. 
The manga localization by Yen Press refers to it as the Birch Bow of Exorcism, but the Bungo Wiki refers to it as the Azusa Yumi. And if I recall, Tonin, the government leader who gives that award to Fukuzawa, and Tonin, who just happens to have had his father assassinated by Fukuzawa, is named after a character from a work of literature by the real-life Atushi Nakajima, hence why it is Tonin speaking with Atushi in this arc. Second, I went back through the trailers for this season, and this episode is going to have Rompo find Taneda injured, and the floor where Taneda and Rompo are is marked with the letter V. I feel so silly. Bungo Season 4 trailers were already hinting they were going to adapt the Rompo and Fukuzawa light novel in that trailer because the letter V is written there, and now it all ties into the Decay of the Angel arc, and I wish I had figured this out earlier. In fact, the trailer spoiled a lot from this episode and the next one we have coming up. We see Ongo marching with soldiers, Kenji ready to smash tanks, Gogol crying. And one correction from the last episode, when I watched the Ogre vs. Rompo arc, I had been trying to figure out who Ogre's getaway driver was. We know he works for Dostoevsky, we know he has Russian diplomatic immunity, but I couldn't see the name on that guy's diplomatic paperwork. Then a friend told me that Ogre's getaway driver is the same person that the Port Mafia hired to capture Dostoevsky back at the beginning of Season 3, last season. I quibble over this when comparing the character designs for the Getaway Driver and the Mafia Kidnapper. The hairstyle and head shape are the same, the facial hair and maybe the eyes differ a little, but also, what does it serve this story to have these two characters be the same? Why would you do that? The Mafia hired this guy to capture Dostoevsky, so why would that person then turn out to be working for Dostoevsky? That doesn't make any sense. Right? It's a lot to think that Dostoevsky's driver would be the same person who captured Dostoevsky for the Mafia. It's a little too convenient. It only really makes sense that, first, the Mafia would hire someone to kidnap Dostoevsky. It just happens the person they hire is someone who was already working for Dostoevsky. And if Dostoevsky wants to be captured by the Mafia, he would want to have someone that he already knows bring him into the Mafia, an inside man, so that once Dostoevsky is captured, he can get Ace dead, steal Ace's dossier on the abilities, so he can figure out how to infect Mori. And second, of course Dostoevsky could not be taken down by this person when Dostoevsky has been able to kill with just a touch. The Mafia thought they could capture Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky's ability is lethal on touch. There is no way this person could capture Dostoevsky. So, yeah, I probably need to just eat crow and admit that these two characters are the same, even as I stubbornly sit here and act like... It's not that clear when it freaking is clear. And one last silly thing I'll mention. Fukuzawa gets that bow award in today's episode. 
Yesterday when I was playing Animal Crossing, the Nooks were trying to sell me that same bow as an award, and no, I am not about to let Google frame me for a crime, so I wasn't buying it. But enough of all of this. Let's get started with this live reaction audio commentary to the newest Boongo Stray Dogs episode, that being episode 42 overall, season 4, episode 6, titled Tragic Sunday. I have today's episode pulled up and paused. You can watch this episode on the Crunchyroll website, then pause the episode before it starts. I will do a countdown, so after I finish saying 3, 2, 1, unpause, you can unpause the episode and watch along with my audio commentary. Everyone ready? Okay, starting the countdown, 3, 2, 1, unpause. We indeed had the one month time skip and we're even getting, okay, Fukuzuma Shikyo Award is the name they went with for this. So we're getting a bit of a recap of what the agency has done in previous seasons. The Moby Dick attack, they didn't mention, okay, here they're mentioning the cannibalistic attack. I wonder who those European authorities are. Probably Order of the Clock Tower. Gee, I wonder who that assistant is behind Tonin. I wonder why Tonin's eyes get all reflected like that. It's almost like he's plotting something. So I do appreciate those little details that the series is adding. And I've run out of things to talk over the opening title sequence. You know, aside from once they do reveal that fit hunting dog, I wouldn't be surprised if instead of getting those two very vague shots of all the hunting dogs, we don't instead get a close-up of the four that we know by name, and now this fifth one. I did know one thing I wanted to mention. The opening theme songs for Bungo Stray Dogs are performed by the Japanese actors behind Tachihara and Shuya. It's kind of funny that those are the actors they went with for the opening. And yeah, there's your few seconds of Chuya, which leads to my point. Chuya is a non-entity for this series. If anything, if this was like a a certain magical index railgun universe, Chuya would be the lead of his own novel series. And that's how I think he functions best. But to summarize, Kaifani Chuya and Tachihara are not very important to the series, but gets to do the opening theme. And I say that all sarcastically about Tachihara and Chuya. So they didn't make Atsushi very pathetic when he got knocked down. I do like the shadows here to show this is before their work shift starts, which means Kunikida woke up early to do this. And yep, sure enough, gotta go work. 
See what I mean about the fast pace? That felt longer when you read it. Okay, we are making this graphically violence. So, yeah, we're rushing things. We're only a few minutes into the episode and already laying out all of this. Atsushi's training, the murders, just... Uh... When I said these are live reactions, I hope I'm making that clear because I wasn't expecting that visual and I'm feeling... Yeah, this is really hard to sit through. <sighs> yeah, this is a Sane in series and... I'm feeling sick to my stomach right now, so this is a lot to take in. And we have Fukuzawa here defining the five ways you die in the Decay of the Angel under the five guidelines in Buddhism. Yes, Atsushi, we know how it counts. Fukuzawa says this won't happen, then it still happens. This is really like the light novel all over again. Fukuzawa said, I won't see anyone die in this theater, and it still happens. No wonder they made that light novel the adaptation this season. Ugh. This episode's full of content warnings with those gunshots, too. Fukuzawa's remarks that that is just an award, it's just a piece of wood. This ties into, I think, the real-life Fukuzawa's remarks about democracy, and there's a long rant I will not get into. I was political last time, I'll try to avoid this time. It is frustrating to see how we valorize these symbols instead of actually protecting rights. We celebrate the Constitution without actually protecting the laws, or rather protecting people with the laws in that Constitution. But that's a whole rant for another time. Now we have Ango sharing the message with Atushi that he's been trying to get into contact with Dazai. Again, this is all too convenient for my taste. That Ongo calls up Atushi to set up the plot. That Tonin just happens to be here as a red herring. I wonder what list of dangerous gifted Atushi knows. Like, what did the government tell him? And I kind of asked that because I would love to see who these secondary, tertiary characters are. When you're making your own fanfic characters, you get curious. 
were these other characters that are mentioned but never seen? I was not expecting them to animate Atushi's sense of smell like this. What an odd choice. The boss's chameleon. I don't remember him saying the boss's chameleon in the manga. He said it was his own. And a little bit of trivia from the manga. Atushi's favorite animal, one of them is the chameleon. So, that was cute. I do like the setup and payoff for this where Dazai seems to just be lazy and hanging out to do gambling. But then you're going to find out, no, he knew he was being tracked and was trying to hide in this crowd for this reason. Okay, say this from the hunting dogs. Dazai wasn't smirking like that in the manga. He looked more shocked that he was arrested. This is also a little bit silly. Oh. And we now get the hints about Yosano's own dark past, which we will be getting into this season. And Tonin now going into full villain from Evangelion modes. Some of you may recognize the voice of Tonin's assistant. So, yeah, that's who this is. Assuming I'm correct, I'm not recognizing the voice accurately. But it does make me realize, so that's why you cast him for Gogol's role. And there's the document about Tonin's father. It's nice to get these images now. The manga didn't show much of Tonin's father, so... For anyone updating the Bungo Wiki, now you get these images. Tone in, you silly person. Man, this is a dark episode this season. Six months and he didn't recognize Gogol. Man, that face was so creepy with that voice coming out. I don't know how the English dub is going to pull this off, but this is more than I could have hoped for with Gogol. They just nailed this character this season. I know I'm going to be disappointed without the toothy grin, but they had just pulled it off. And Sada's hunting dog again. Gee, I wonder how it re-emerged. I also feel silly about this. I thought Ogre was dead. This shows that he did survive whatever Gogol did to him. And Ogre realizes he was getting tricked by Fyodor Dostoevsky.
Gogol does as well as counting items as I do, as we're about to see. Gogol, you could have just said four means death and you would have been done. I do wonder how Rompo got his lead in this episode. I know it's not important, but after I've already complained that they make Rompo seem more like a magician than a detective, it would kind of be nice to get some of his own logic for how he does this. You can already see the V marked on the ground in bloods. I do like Sineda basically saying Rompo is his kids. I'm not a big fan on how they're animating Atsushi arriving here. The sound work, however, is pulling off more of the work than the animation, so it is effective. And as much as I appreciate Atsushi taking the indirect approach, it is kind of weird that he didn't think, oh, underground, no one will be guarding there. Really good animation on Gogol's ability. So the animators just had the most fun on storyboarding and animating him, didn't they? Man, they should have kept the toothy demonic grin. And we got the angel wings and the cross back there for again linking up to the light novel with the angel talk as well as the name Decay of the Angel. And we're doing the flashback just flat out saying, Yep, V is Decay of the Angel. Again, this should hint that it's Ongo who did this, because as I said, he can access information, but we're going to find out it's someone completely different. And if you read the manga, you know which member of the Decay of the Angel has that ability. By process of elimination, you already know who it is. This book, we're going to find out, was created by the real, by the version of Mishima, the author of the Decay of the Angel, in this Bungo universe, aren't we? Ugh. 
I'm a little disappointed Atsushi wasn't able to do much else in this fight against Gogol. He's going to try talking him to delay him, but Atsushi is just so outmatched that you kind of wonder what was even the point of this fight except to show how pathetic Atsushi is despite all of his great accomplishments. Oh, God. You know, there does come a point where Atsushi has been brutalized so much that this stops being a story and just becomes torture porn. And this is getting way too close for that. Atsushi is supposed to heal so quickly and yet here we are. And again, this is why this is who they cast for Gogol. But man, I wish they had stopped the music here. If you're going to have Gogol doing this confusing monologue, you need something quieter. This music is too tense for what is supposed to be such a relaxed scene. So, yeah, I'm not a fan of the pacing here. It's also the music's having to do work to make up for all this exposition we're now getting from Taneda about what makes up the book. Now, this scene of the crowd is also from the manga. As Taneda explains, you can't just write anything into the book. It has to make a certain amount of real-world sense, not just what you want your narrative to turn out to be. All those eyes on the wings I hadn't noticed before. So, biblically correct angel, I guess? I am a little disappointed that they don't really clarify here whether Gogol is telling the truth or not. Again, Atsushi is such a broken power. How was he not able to handle this? I don't remember them going into detail in the manga to have Kunikida direct Kenji to delay the police. So I appreciate that scene. Thanks, Corona. So, I don't think the manga has yet revealed who is the person writing that Gogol would say that. I don't think it was Sigma. I don't think it was Fukuchi. 
So I do sit here wondering who is the author, which would have been nice to have seen animated, but we're not going to spend the money on that. Kind of weird that they did animate the faces for these characters. As far as I know, we don't see these characters with the military police appear in later episodes this season or next season. So, the work they had to do to design new characters only to not use them as frequently. Yeah, I understand this is the book doing this, but I also... This episode needs so many content warnings. I... This is the most grim and gruesome this season has been, and I don't get it. But I have to wonder, what happened to the four who were there previously? And yeah, more content warnings, everyone. This also confuses me that Gogol, I thought it was Gogol who was brainwashed by the book to say those lines, and instead is presented here as if he was acting the role. Ugh. This is not the episode I should have been watching today. This was a really grim and gruesome one to get through. Remember why I said this was not the ending title sequence to use this season? This is what I meant. Ugh, brother. There's nothing like having the really depressing, disturbing anime wrap-up with a happy-go-lucky ending title sequence. Okay, so any other thoughts I have about this episode before the credits wrap up and whether we get any next episode preview, which I'm not expecting? This is grim, and it's only going to get worse. When you see the backstory for Yosano, when you see what happens to Kunikida, and the phone is still there and Atushi still comes in... If it was me, 
I would have changed this ending to be no one is coming in the room or have it be that police are now searching the room. But anyway, that was definitely a sign that this is our bloodiest, most gruesome and depressing season we're going to get. This was a hard episode to sit through. Yeah, I'm glad I put the content warning at the beginning of today's audio commentary. This was a lot to take in and would not be the first I would recommend to any Boongo fan. Next episode, Dogs Hunt Dogs. Yikes. Thank you so much for listening to this audio commentary. What did you think of Season 4, Episode 6 of Boongo Stray Dogs? What did you think of the episode? Did the pacing feel off? Was it too fast, too slow, or just right? Let me know in the comments section or send me an email, derek.s.mcgrath at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this commentary, please consider contributing at coffee.com slash derekasmcgrath or patreon.com slash derekasmcgrath. Thanks to contributors Alec Roach, Emily Lauer, and Alexis Duran. Next time, we had the arrival of the hunting dogs as they hunt down the armed detective agency in episode 44, season 4, episode 7 of Boongo Stray Dogs. You can listen to that new audio commentary Wednesday at patreon.com slash or watch it on YouTube on Tuesday. Until then, I've been Derek S. McGrath. You have a good day. Bye.